Hello, this is Jim Walsh. Welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. Each week we have been considering God's Word in light of what it says about a particular subject. We are doing this in order to show people exactly what God's Word says without any confusion. Our simple goal then is that each one of us might be led to see that we can read and we can understand God's Word. So for several weeks we've been asking a series of questions. What did Jesus teach about a particular subject? Jesus, as the Son of God, has God's authority to teach His Word. We have read previously from Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 where it says that God who in sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So we understand from that the complete authority that Jesus has. Thus, when he teaches about a subject, then we should heed what his teaching is. Today we want to ask the question, what did Jesus teach about salvation? Now obviously this is a large question and the information that is provided in Scripture is far more than we can deal with in our brief time today. So obviously we are going to simply limit it to what we read in the Gospels themselves. First, God promised that Jesus in coming, the Father promised that the Son in coming would save the world. When the angel instructed Mary and Joseph what they were to name this child, in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 it simply says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. That name in the Hebrew means to save. So the whole designed purpose from his birth onward was that he would come to save. Jesus, when he began his ministry, taught that that was his purpose. There is no question that man needs salvation. And so this is talking about our spiritual nature, not our physical nature. And Jesus stated that his coming to this world was with that consideration, man's spiritual need to save him. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 19 that Jesus went to the home of a publican by the name of Zacchaeus. And it tells us that this publican was the chief publican and he invited Jesus into his home. And in verses 9 and 10 of Luke 19, Jesus said, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. The concept of being lost here is of one who is in spiritual need, one who needs to, quote-unquote, be found. It is earlier in Luke's Gospel that we read about this concept of saving, 
we find that in Luke chapter 15, we have three parables. One is of the parable of the lost sheep. The other is of the parable of the lost coin. And finally, we have the parable of the prodigal son, the lost son. Each of those talk about the rejoicing in finding that which is lost. So being lost is not a condition God wants us to remain in. He wants us to be saved. Also in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 4, we have recorded Jesus' words at his first public speaking. He is at a synagogue in Nazareth. The scriptures are handed to him to read, and he is reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so Luke records the following, beginning in Luke 4, verse 16, where it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and he sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Jesus' purpose thus in coming was to preach the gospel, the good news of salvation for man from his sins by our Heavenly Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus did that, and as we notice when he visited with Zacchaeus, he taught that his coming was by the Father's approval to provide salvation. The apostles when they were commissioned by Jesus to go forth and preach the gospel, understood that it was through Jesus that salvation would come. Peter tells us, as recorded in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, speaking of the name of Jesus. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus taught that it is necessary to believe that he is the Christ, the anointed one of God. It's amazing to hear people teach that one does not need to believe that Jesus is the Christ in order to be saved, when the whole purpose in his coming was to prove that he is the Christ, to prove that he is the anointed one of God. Peter understood that. And that is why Matthew records in Matthew 16, 16, Peter saying, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. Friends, if Jesus is not the Christ, he is nothing, for he is simply an imposter, and he is not worthy of our honor or goodwill. But if he is the Christ, he is more than just a mere teacher or prophet, for it says he is the anointed one, and the only one anointed by God under his command is either the high priest or the king. If he is not who he claims to be, then he is not good, but he is a liar, he is a deceiver of men, and we are still lost and without hope. But if Jesus 
is who he said he is. He also teaches us that it's necessary that we believe that he is such. In John chapter 8, verses 23 and 24, he said unto the people of his day, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. For one to teach today that it is not necessary for a person to believe that Jesus is the Christ in order to be saved is simply wrong. It goes against the direct teaching of Jesus himself. One might as well say that it's not necessary for one to believe that God exists and to suggest that they could still be saved, as it is to say that his son did not come. Jesus taught that it's necessary to confess him as Christ. What good is it if one believes that Jesus is the Christ and yet refuses to act upon that belief? It is no good at all. Consider what is mentioned in John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 42, where it says of the religious leaders of his day, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They could not deny his teaching. They could not deny the miracles. They could not deny what they had seen with their own eyes as being eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead. And yet, they refused to confess him because it would mean that they would lose their positions in the synagogue. Friends, we're required to make choices in our relationship with God. And he expects that in those choices, we will put him first. Jesus expects that we will be happy and rejoice in our relationship with him, and that means beginning with our confessing him before men. For Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, verse 32, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Jesus did not come to make private disciples. Living the life of a Christian means that we are to be open about who we are and who we serve. Again, in Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. As lights, we are to draw men unto the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. However, we also notice that this confession begins with the process of salvation. When Philip was directed by God to go and meet with the Ethiopian treasurer in Acts chapter 8 and to teach him, when he taught him about Jesus, he asked that treasurer, he asked the Ethiopian if he believed that Jesus is the Christ. And verse 37 of Acts chapter 8, the treasurer responded, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Just as Peter had confessed Jesus as Christ, the Ethiopian confessed him as Christ. And just as Jesus said it's necessary, all men must confess him as Christ. Jesus also teaches that repentance is necessary in order to be saved. Repentance means a turning away from one thing and turning directly unto another. In the Greek word, it is a compound word, metanoio, which means a change afterward. 
It signifies that once an individual learns something, that that knowledge changes them and takes them in a different direction. Thus, when one learns the gospel and learns that sin destroys our relationship with God and that we must repent of that sin, it means that we must turn from sin unto God. We must recognize a need for and actively be involved in changing our life. In Luke 13, some came to Jesus and told him about how some people in Galilee had been killed and that Pilate had mingled their blood with his sacrifice to the idols. The suggestion is that these people must have been very bad, truly horrible sinners in order for God to allow that their blood be mingled. But Jesus reproved this idea and told those who had spoken to him that anyone who does not repent of sin will find themselves disfellowshipped by God. In verses 2 through 5 of Luke 13, Jesus said, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus' teaching here is very simple. Unless a person repents of their sins, they will find themselves disapproved by God. For sin separates us from God and his fellowship. And the only way we can be brought back into that fellowship again is by obedience to the gospel, which requires that we repent of our sins. Finally, Jesus taught that baptism is necessary to be saved. For some reason, many people chafe at this idea. To some, they believe that one is trying to work to be saved. And so you often hear people say that you cannot be saved by good works like baptism. Yet neither Jesus nor his disciples ever spoke or taught of baptism as a work. Jesus provided it as a command. In fact, we read the following in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. It makes as much sense to say that teaching is a work than it is to say that baptism is a work, for Jesus commanded that both be done. The apostles were to go and teach the gospel, and those who believed were to be baptized. In Mark's account, chapter 16, 16, we read, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, friends, that is a commandment of Jesus, and a commandment is not a work. It's strange that some will obey everything else Jesus says, and yet when they come to baptism, they balk at that. They try and play with the passage by saying that since Jesus did not say, but he that believeth not and is baptized not shall be damned, that baptism is somehow unnecessary. But when Jesus joins two things together, we recognize that to separate them causes them to be invalid. Thus, if one is not done, it doesn't matter if the other is. Just like those mentioned before in John 12, where it says, there were those who believed Jesus but did not confess him. Confession is necessary. Belief alone did not help. 
Jesus taught that his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. He specifically told his disciples that his blood was being shed for the remission of sins in Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 26. On the night of the Passover, Jesus used the elements of the Passover meal, the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, in order to provide a memorial. We read this as it takes place in Matthew chapter 26, verses 27 and 28. It says, And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Jesus told them that this fruit of the vine is to represent his blood which was shed for the remission of sins. The shedding of Christ's blood has a specific purpose then, to be used for the remission of sins. Luke records in his gospel, chapter 24, verses 46 through 48, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem and ye are witnesses of these things. The apostles were told by Jesus to preach the gospel, which would include repentance and remission of sins. Peter on the day of Pentecost included all these things when he preached. The account is found in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 14 through verse 41. And he told those who were listening that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that God had resurrected Jesus to be seated on David's throne in fulfillment of all prophecy, that that throne is now in heaven, and that those who believed what was preached were told what they needed to do as recorded in verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is what Jesus taught. This is what his disciples taught in the first century. This is what all those who heard that wonderful gospel did so that they might know what to do to be saved. Jesus came to provide salvation for all mankind, and he accomplished that when he died upon the cross, when he was buried, when he was resurrected. His blood was shed to be the atoning blood used by our Heavenly Father to remit our sins. The gospel message is preached that Jesus is the Christ. If we will believe that message, confess him as Christ, repent of our sins, and be baptized for the remission of our sins, then God will take that atoning blood, cleanse our soul spotless and free, bring us into his household where we have fellowship with him and his Son and his Spirit, both now and as we are faithful to him for all eternity. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thanks for listening to On Eagle's Wings.